Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We continue our examination of the Gospel of John, and we're at the point where um, Jesus is on the cross. They have crucified him to the cross, and Pilate wrote a sign over him. You remember the last episode, and, and told who he was. And uh, this is pretty much standard procedure where people would know who this individual was and what they had done. And if you remember, the Jewish leadership was sort of put out with Pilate because uh, Pilate had written in three separate languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, a sign that says, Jesus of Nazareth, the King, uh, Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Well, the leadership wanted to put another sign up there that said, uh, I, I said I was the King of the Jews. And Pilate said, no, I'm not having anything to do with that. What I've written, I have written. So we're at John chapter 19 now, verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Verse 25, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And so what we see is somewhere nearby the cross, a lot of times people want to paint this as having occurred at the foot of the cross, like right at the very bottom of it. But it said that they were nearby. Okay? And they were nearby to where Jesus, even in all of his pain and his agony, was able to at least still talk them hear what was going on. So it was very nearby. And Jesus was taking care of some things. Now, remember what he'd been through. He'd already been beaten. And according to some commentaries, uh, he'd been beaten several times. We know that from the scripture. But each one increased in intensity. And there were different names for it. The Romans had different names for the type of beatings. We know that the last one uh, that he experienced is what we call in English a scourging. And it was tremendously impactful literally just uh, flayed your body alive. I mean, just cut you to shredded your body. And then he hauled the cross beam of the cross uh, to where uh, the pole was of the cross. A lot of times we think it was on top of a mountain, you know. Uh, most of that comes more from hymns and songs than it does from the scripture, okay? But Jesus was in intense pain, but he was still able to speak some. And so he looks down and he sees his mother with these other women. And most of them are named Mary. <coughs> and so Jesus looked at the disciple whom he loved, which is John, the one who's writing this account right here. And he says, behold your mother. Now, John and Jesus were related. Now, they were in all likelihood, they were first cousins. And so he looks at him and he says, woman, behold your son. And then he looks at the, uh, John and says, behold your mother. 
And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Now, now why did Jesus do that? Well, the simple answer is, and this is the truth, is that he was taking care of his mother. He was the firstborn. He was the oldest child. And he was given the responsibility of taking care of her. And he did. But it's interesting just to sort of think through because Jesus had other brothers and sisters. But Jesus moved his mother outside the immediate family to extended family. So why did he do that? Well, what he did, he moved him from a family who did not believe because his brothers and sisters had yet to believe him. They did not believe that he was Messiah. Now, they would. They would come to believe. But they didn't believe yet. And so literally, Mary moved in with her sister. Okay? Moved in and stayed there in the home of those who believe. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, and he said this to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And yes, he was thirsty. But to fulfill the scripture, he said, I thirst. And so uh, when you see the uh, 22nd Psalm and Isaiah 52 and 53, uh, those passages give a lot of detail about what occurred with Jesus, particularly the 22nd Psalm, what occurred physiologically, what occurred within his body as he was being crucified. So he cries out saying, I am thirst, I thirst, verse 29, a jar full of sour wine stood there. And so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, it just happened to be a jar of sour wine standing there. You know, it wasn't something that somebody carried with them. And so it seems to be something that they did perhaps for everyone that they crucified in this way. If they wanted something, they would give them some of this. So verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, this is really, really important. When you read the uh, other Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have accounts of this, and each one give various insight and various details. And we need to read and we need to understand all of them to get the complete story of what the Lord has revealed to us about what happened. But notice something. He bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Up to this point in time, he had he, apparently he was able to lift up his head. Okay? He was going through all this pain. He was going through all this agony. Uh, the, the process of crucifixion is, to this day, uh, one of, if not the most cruel ways uh, to kill somebody because it takes a long period of time, often days. And it's painful in so many ways. It's a very, very, very slow, torturous process of dying. And so Jesus still had the strength to lift his head up. So in the natural he was still several hours away from dying. As a matter of fact, we will see uh, in the next couple of episodes to where uh, they came along to break their legs to where they would die quicker because they wanted to get him off the cross for a particular reason. But Jesus did not die because somebody killed him. Okay? Hear that again. He did not die because somebody killed him. Yes, they put him on the cross, whoever the they may be. Uh, the Romans had a part in that. The Jewish leadership had a part in that. All mankind had a part in that, okay? Yes, that did occur. But they did not take his life from him. He gave his life. And there's a tremendous difference. And we see it right here. 
even he still had strength to lift up his head, and yet he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He offered his spirit as an offering to God. He gave himself up and he said the the great Greek word to telestai, which means literally, it is paid in full. Everything has been done. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit and his body expired. It's a tremendous truth for us to understand that the Lord was victorious in death, victorious in death, and that everything he did, he did at the behest of the Father, and he did uh, because the Father led him to do it. He walked in complete and total obedience and faithfulness to his word. Uh, may that be what we do also. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me, and I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.